what makes me most happy, what brings me most joy is seeing the light go off in someone's eyes when I'm teaching them and yeah. seeing them fall in love with the medium yeah. as much as I have a love for it. And just it, because I just remember how it felt when yeah. I discovered colored pencils and I had mentioned earlier, it was love at first try. And I felt like in finding colored pencils, I found a little bit of myself too. Today's podcast is brought to you by Face Value, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course created by me to transform the color pencil portrait artist. Have you always wanted to draw portraits in color pencil, but you need the skills and techniques to be successful? Face Value is the ultimate color pencil portrait course. This program teaches you how to draw portraits in color pencil with step-by-step -step instruction. We begin at the beginning. We start with learning to draw the head by abstraction. The face value course guides you with bite-sized exercises as well as live interaction to keep you accountable. The pre-sale for the course has already started and enrollment will be capped at just 20 students. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. Now, I was just talking to Gary. He is a student in the Face Value course, and he tried UART Sanded Paper on the 800 grade just the other day. And I asked him what he thought about it. He said he loved it. It's the first time he's ever tried it. So you may be wondering, well, what makes it different from other sanded papers? One thing is the way that the grain is applied to the paper. There is an electrostatic charge that pulls the grain up towards the paper, and so it is applied from the bottom up. That's just one of the things that makes it different. Now, you may be wondering, well, why does that matter? Because it's an even distribution of the grain to the paper, and so you can have very fine grains, like an 800 grade on the paper, a very velvety kind of touch to the paper. If you've never tried you art sanded paper before, then go over to the show notes, click on the link, and there are seven different grades to choose from. It comes in a beige and a dark, it comes in sheets, pads, rolled, and mounted boards. And we thank you art sanded paper for their support of the Colored Pencil Podcast. You're a colored pencil artist, and you've got just about every colored pencil that there is. Oh, except for that one. And you're wondering how this color compares to the actual pencil line that you have. Now, some colored pencil artists like to create these huge charts. I don't do that. I don't have the patience for it. Well, I've got good news if you're like me. Someone else has created these charts for you. There is a color pencil conversion and comparison chart. Thanks to KarenHallArt.com. This is a 62-page PDF booklet that you could download. And you can get updates as she updates it. She just updated it with the brand new Karen Dosh Luminance colors. It's got the Derwent Lightfast pencils in there as well. How would you like 20% off? Just go to the show notes or use SharpArt20 at checkout. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, welcome back to the show. My name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. This is the Sharpened Artist Color Pencil Podcast. I am so excited to welcome Mandy Peltier to the show today. Mandy, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me today, John. 
Oh, absolutely. Mandy has only been working in the medium for a little while. Isn't that right? About five years? Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'd have to think back in my, my memories to be sure. But yeah, I think it's about five years. Yet she teaches. Uh, she's creating some awesome artwork. So tell me what what got you started? We all like to hear origin stories. I want to know, like, <laughs> what got you into colored pencil? Oh, boy, that is not a short story, but I'll try to be fairly <laughs> succinct here. Um, okay, so, I mean, I am a very creative person by nature, very right-brained. Um, I tend to dive headlong into things that interest me. Uh, like, one year, it might be sewing. Last year was soap making. I mean, it's, it's like huh? just, I do that. I kind of just jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none kind of thing. Yeah. And um, I used to be a portrait photographer, Oh. I grew up in a family with very creative, right-brained parents as well in their own ways. And I think I'm just a hybrid of both of them. Nice. And my dad was a professional photographer. Oh, wow. And so I grew up learning how to use the camera from him. And on the side, he would do weddings, senior pictures, things like that. And I would yeah. assist him. So my husband used to work for the State Department. And so we lived all around the world in different countries. And I was looking for a career that would be transient. And so it just is sort of a natural thing that I became a photographer because my dad was. I learned from him. Yeah. And so I did that for a number of years. And um, then we adopted our youngest child. And uh, I was looking sort of for just a creative outlet and something to do while he slept and just kind of therapy because... He was three and a half when we got him. It was an adjustment after we adopted him for him and for I, and for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just sort of turned to, to art. Uh, and I thought my time had... I'm, I'm saying this super fast, so sorry about that. But um, No, you're fine. I thought you're my, fine. my time had sort of passed to be an artist because I didn't study it in college. I didn't do it in high school. Um, but I learned very quickly, you're never too late to learn something new. And right. I started off using more like watercolors and acrylics and then... I can't even remember how or why, but I tried colored pencils and it became very apparent very quickly that that was my medium and that's where I excelled and it was love at first try. And then mm. I've, I've never looked back and it's been one interest of mine that I haven't dived into headlong and then moved on to something else. <laughs> like it, it's oh, stuck with yeah. me, it's become my career, it's really blossomed and I'm, I'm really thankful for that, so... Very cool. That's, that's basically how, but I wanted to kind of give the background. You yeah. know, I am a creative person. Photography kind of gave me the eye for composition and, and things like that. And it's just right. sort of as like building building blocks to get to where I am now. Oh, sure. Yeah. So let's talk about what you do now. What is it that you're involved sure. in now? Oh, my goodness. Okay. So that expression, burning a candle at both ends. I either have a candle with multiple ends or I just have a bonfire going because I have a <laughs> lot of different things going on right now. Uh, so one thing I do is I'm a faculty member for Fairmount Center for the Arts, which is in Northeast Ohio. And I used to live in Northeast Ohio until last year. And pre-COVID, I taught my classes there in person. But last year, we moved, my family and I, we moved to Georgia, but I am still able to be on faculty with them online. So I teach online workshops and classes, and I have private students through them. Uh, I also am the membership director for the Colored Pencils Society of America. I teach classes through Windsor & Newton for Michael's Stores. That takes a lot of time and is a lot of fun. And then I'm also working Are you working teaching painting with, through them or...? 
Uh, so it started off using their colored pencils and their watercolor pencils. Oh, okay. And it has sort of now morphed into watercolor pans oh, okay. and cakes. Um, so just sort of mixed media through them. I also recently did a class using their drying inks. So that's been a lot of fun and creative outlet for me. And How often do you teach also- that class? You know, it kind of varies. We can talk about that today for sure. So basically, I work with the team at Windsor & Newton. That is amazing and awesome. And they'll sort of give me some ideas of future classes. Uh-huh. And I'll sort of come up with an idea like, oh, I think a class on a lollipop would be really cool. You know, whatever the case yeah. may be. Yeah. And then I create drafts from that list okay. and I present it to them. And then they might say, could you change this or Mm -hmm. really like this? And then I'll kind of create the final draft, write the instructions. They'll schedule the national online class with Michael Stores, and then I teach it. So I've taught six classes so far, but I have three more scheduled. And then I have like eight to 10 in the works. So a lot more to come. So what do these drafts look like? Are you doing this like you're doing like some of the artwork and then you're, you're presenting it that way. And then they take a look at it and tell you it, it is a process. Let me tell you. So I start off sketching. uh, So I have to figure out the composition and the layout. So, um, like little thumbnails or something, I guess. Yeah. Well, so I, I have one here. I can show you. I'll have to try and explain it for the, I have stuff all the way nearby. Okay. So I have this one class coming up. That's uh 4th of July. My contact at Windsor Newton had the idea to do something with fireworks. So I did a first one where I just sort of did like five by seven. I just sort of drew it out and and there's some lettering there. And then, you know, I made one that was a little bit bigger and I'm like, okay, I don't like how those rocket looks. The fireworks look too simple. And so then I made one that maybe has more of a folk art themed. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So I, it's, it's like a long process, but it starts mm-hmm. with a sketch, a graphite sketch. Mm-hmm. And then I make a draft using whatever medium it is that I'm using for that particular class. Okay. I send it to them. I wait for their feedback. And then I'll make a final really good looking draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm kind of a perfectionist. And I'm never totally happy with anything I've ever done. But um, I try to give them one that looks really nice. That we can use. And then I, because I'm a photographer, they mm-hmm. have me take the advertisement shot as well. Ah. Uh, so it's the, the project that I'll be teaching in the national online class with, uh-huh. you know, the supplies surrounding it. And I put the right. Winter Newton logo on there and it's, it's a lot of fun. Nice. I, it kind of involves all of my <laughs> creative yeah, interests yeah, and pursuits. Yeah, no doubt. So, That's yeah. really cool. Okay, so you've taught several classes now with them, and uh, the medium has changed quite a bit, it sounds like. But you did teach uh, using their Winsor & Newton pencils and their watercolor pencils, right? That's correct. And written projects as well that are available on the Michaels website. So it's – I didn't mention that. So it's been online What are those, like tutorials or something or – yeah. So if okay. you go onto the Michaels website and you go to projects, my name's not on the projects, but I've done a Christmas card that's Christmas lights using watercolor okay. pencils with salt and coasters using uh, the colored pencils and then a eucalyptus botanical stem using the watercolor pencils. Oh, so, okay. But yeah, so I, I write out the steps for it and take the photo, like the in progress photos, if you will, step yeah, two looks like that's this, so cool. you know, and then it's uploaded to the website. That must be very rewarding to be able to use all these different skills that you have um, on these projects that you're doing. 
That's so cool. It, it really is. It, yeah. it, it tickles oh, yeah. me. Like, I, I can't believe I'm doing this. Like, it's yeah, like, yeah. It blows so my fun. mind that this is my life. It's, it's really cool. And I love that a lot of my classes through Michael's are geared towards beginners because I have a huge heart for beginners. And mm. I was once a beginner. I really want to were, right? feel uplifted and empowered. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I love there. that I'm really focusing on beginners right now. Yeah. That's where my heart is. Oh, that's so cool. So do you think that uh, the Windsor & Newton pencils are a good pencil for a beginner or for an advanced artist or what What do you think? So they market or they, they understand that the Windsor & Newton pencils are more student grade um, okay. than fine art, if you will. Uh, so, I mean, I think I love the watercolor set. I I love the watercolor set. You like it, that better both, than... Yeah, I would say Are they say wax so. or oil-based? Um, I can't remember now. I did a well, show on them, but I can't remember the other the ones colored, that are not watercolor-based. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The colored pencils yeah. feel very wax-based to me. Very waxy. They don't um, indicate, um, like in the marketing uh, materials, they don't indicate whether... Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, maybe yeah, companies are, get, are getting like, away from that. Are they? I mean, maybe they are. I don't know. I know, yeah, I, I know in the color pencil community, it seems like maybe anecdotal, but it just seems like to me that people are trying to get away from calling and making that designation of wax or oil based. But when I look at the marketing materials, a lot of times for the companies putting out the pencils themselves, they're still using that language a lot of times. So well, I think they should because I think uh, wax based and oil based pencils each have their own merits and uses in the creative process. And I yeah. know, um, like when I create exhibition art, I'll say um, I I use both at different stages during the creative process because I know what merits they have and I know what they'll do for me. So I, I like to know that information for sure. Oh, but very I think interesting. Because but they're more of like a student grade pencil, it's maybe yeah. not as like an important uh, factor. Yeah. Okay. So there's no light fast ratings on these pencils, right? Oh, there is. All of the there studio is. collection pencils have been tested in a lab oh, under okay. standard ASTM D6901. Standards. Yeah, good. Okay. And uh, all the colors except for three have received a one or two light fastness designation. I don't even know if light fastness is a word. I feel like nah, I trip over nah, every time well, I try to say I, it. I, use, I coin yeah. that one every time I talk about it. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I love to make up words, so I never well, know too. if it's real or not, but I roll with it. So uh, but the three colors that have a three designation. Uh, would be red, purple, and violet. So, really? So the rest um, of them? Now, oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they're not tested. CPSA hasn't tested these pencils, so they haven't gone through like the blue wool testing. But uh, yeah. through Windsor and Newton's testing, they would say that um, yeah. all the pencils have a one or two rating besides three colors. Well, they have um, interest in testing the pencils themselves. Absolutely. What, so <laughs> right. what? Uh, so when you uh, think about then that they're, I mean, you said they're student grade. They say they're student grade. Would you recommend those? I mean, is that something that you think um, that, you know, someone should go out and buy? I mean, I haven't purchased them yet uh, only because, you know, I've got enough pencils to keep me busy. <laughs> and if they're <laughs> student grade, I mean, do you think they're a good pencil to for someone to start using? What do you think? I think as far as student grade pencils go, they're great. And I think okay. one thing that Windsor Newton did to hit it out of the park is the colors they chose to be in the set. 
Uh, you have a nice range of options in their pencil sets, even like from their smaller to their bigger. I know like with um, some mm-hmm. pencil, pencil brands, if you get like the 24 count set, there's yeah. not even a, a gray in it. And I'm like, why oh, would you put yeah. a gray in there? Uh, so they did a good yeah. job, I think, with their color selection. So you'll have okay. a lot of flexibility. Oh, that's that's pretty good to know. Uh, so what size sets do they come in? Okay. It looks like it comes in 12, 24, and 48, the colored pencil line. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, you know, that um that little attention to detail though, I think is important to figure out, you know, what would be nice to have in a 12 set, you know. Um because I've seen it before where a pencil line will have, I don't know, two or three greens or something like I heard I'm being a portrait artist, I hardly ever use green anyway. It's like Yeah. It's nice when there's uh, enough of a variety in the set. So, very very cool. For All sure. right. So, Mandy, I'm looking at your website and I'm looking at the artwork and, you know, sometimes I can look at artwork from an artist and I can say, ah, they are a flower laces and bases artist. Uh, They are a portrait artist. They're a figurative artist. They're a still life artist or something like that. I can't nail you down. (laughs) Maybe that's (laughs) intentional. You're a multi-passionate kind of person. So maybe this is uh, reflected in your artwork as well. Would you say that's true? Yes. I I mean, you do a lot of different subject matter. So nice. I'm I'm just, I'm just mesmerized by some of these pieces. Um, Wow. Okay, Thank so you. I want to talk to you about Fresh from the Coop. It's 9 by 12 on sanded paper. So talk to me about that piece. Oh, I'm so this is my favorite piece actually of anything I've ever drawn. This it's is about my favorite. Most, <laughs> it's so Really? Good. It most is about like, my favorite out of all, out of all of these. Yeah, I my think most? so. I haven't get, been able to explore some of these other ones. I don't know if I can say that because I love Sweet Tradition also. And there are some portraits that I looked at that I'm just like, wow, how did you do that? Yeah, I have a portrait that's probably my most successful or popular piece. Um, but and I and I love that one too. It means a lot. But uh, fresh from the coop has my heart because oh. it has more personal meaning, I guess you could say. Uh, but it's kind of a funny story because the whole personal meaning kind of got tossed up in the air last year. <laughs> I'll oh. tell you the story behind it. So okay. I had mentioned um, early on that my husband used to work for the State Department, and mm-hmm. so as soon as I married him, we moved to Nigeria. Two years later, we moved to Bahrain in the Middle East. Two years after that, it was Poland. Uh, so we've kind of just lived all over. Wow. And yeah. it's kind of hard to plant roots when you're moving all the time right. or you're living in different cultures. And I just longed for roots. I uh, am a homesteader at heart. And mm. when we lived in Ohio, I tapped my maple trees and made syrup. I really? Had a garden. Oh, how Yeah. Fun. Now that... We're here in Georgia. I'm going to plant an orchard, and that nice. will sort of take the place of uh, being a tapper for my maple syrup trees. Yeah. I call them maple syrup trees because that that was their main purpose for me. But um, yeah. anyway, so these eggs were sort of emblematic of moving to the United States again from living overseas for the 10 years oh, and finally neat. planting roots. 
because uh, my husband left the State Department uh, two years into living in Ohio and got mm. a job in the private sector. And uh-huh. so I thought, Ohio's home. Like, this is where we're going to stay. This is where we're going to be. Yeah. And my friend gifted me these eggs and I opened up the carton and they were just so, they were a work of art in and of, them, of, in and of themselves because uh-huh. so many colors of eggs were represented. And I wanted to get chickens. I should say that. That was like, now that we have roots, I want to yeah. get chickens and I want to, you know, expand our little homestead here. Right. And then my husband got another job and we moved to Georgia. <laughs> oh, wow. So now I'll have to like, you know, it kind of starts over, but still yeah. just that heart of like that homestead spirit that yeah. I have and that farmhouse sort of vibe. You, you can kind of see that influence in a lot of my still life, sort of that. Yeah. Well, now homestead. that you mentioned that, yeah, you yeah. do kind of get that vibe. Yeah. But so I like neat. to draw whatever makes me happy, whatever inspires me. Like there's some yeah. artists who are very good about having one sort of specialty or one singular muse. Yeah. And uh, I like variety. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 That That's very cool. Yeah. I mean, there's another one. So that was done on Santa Paper. Which Santa Paper uh, did you work on? I drew that on UART 400. Ah, very nice. That's very, very toothy. All right. Very toothy. Yes. <laughs> okay. So the other one I just I just think is so beautiful. Uh and I've seen it quite a few times, but um is the meekness of wisdom. I, I think that one is just mm. so awesome. There's so many things to enjoy about that that piece. Mm. That is one of my newest pieces, actually. Uh, and that's a mixed media piece technically. I entered that into CPSA's Explore This. It's in ah. its current I believe this year or the last exhibition, it's in that one. Uh-huh. Uh, but that is pastel and colored pencil. But it's predominantly colored pencil, of course, because it was okay. entered into Explore This. But his yeah. whole face and his um, head covering is all colored pencil. It's just the background that is uh, pastel. Oh, okay. So soft pastel? Uh, soft pastel, pastel and pastel pencils. Uh, oh, really? Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. And what, so, what paper did you say? I'm sorry. That is UART 500. 500. Okay. Wow. Yes. So that I like is... to work on the grittier end. It gives me a lot more flexibility to make yeah. adjustments and things. I, I know most colored pencil artists like 800 or 600. And I've tried and I just, I don't get the number of layers I want. Uh, well, I, d- I do know a fair amount of uh, colored pencil artists that like 500 and 400 though uh, as well. Um I, I just feel like it, it just takes forever for me to fill in that tooth. When it you does. look, yeah, <laughs> when you look at that piece um, and you're up close looking at it, do you see those ridges in there or you, were you able to get rid? No, you don't. And why, how is that? What is your technique for getting rid of that? So I work on it basically until I cannot work on it anymore. Yeah. I so you're burnishing, you're just really filling the tooth. Just. Yeah, my, my process, if you want to hear it. Um, yeah, I do. So I somewhat use uh, the brush and pencil products to help give me some tooth and some to kind of glue down pigment I already have in place. So the textured fixative or the textured fixative okay. in the powder blender. But I only okay. use those toward the beginning of the process. So basically okay. how I start is I use oil based pencils. 
uh-huh. such as Faber, Castell, Polychromos, or okay. Karen Dash Pablos. And I'll use them real lightly. And then I'll use like a foam makeup applicator. I actually use the Pan Pastel mini applicators with a powder blender to, uh-huh. to push in the pigment into the grit of the sanded paper. Right. And then I'll fix it with a textured fixative. And then I'll repeat that process a couple of times until I have sort of a nice underpainting or base layer of color on the sanded paper. So two times, then, three times, four times? Mm, Does it matter? It kind of d- depends, depends on this. Because okay. sometimes I'll do a grisaille underpainting okay. or... Something like that. Um, and then I'll go over top of that with wax-based pencils. And and by the time I start using wax-based, wax-based pencils, I'm done with the textured fixative. I'm done with the powder blender. I personally only use them at the beginning when I'm using the oil-based pencils. And then how I like to finish my pieces is with Caran d'Ache Luminance, which I personally think because it's such a proprietary process in making yeah. these pencils that they sort of fall in between oil and wax-based. And uh-huh. so they sort of smooth the the waxiness of the wax-based uh-huh. pencils, but they also work beautifully with the oil-based pencils. So I love Caran d'Ache Luminance. They are hands down my favorite pencil. And um, they are I use such those. good pencils. Yeah. So yeah, they're so good. So uh, let me get this right then. So when you're building up those layers and you're using textured fixative and you're using powder blender, so you're spraying that textured fixative, um, maybe as many as maybe three, maybe four different times, four different layers of it, right? Yes, and I do a few layers on each layer. So I yeah, won't just yeah. do one thin layer of texture right. fixative. I'll do two or three coverings, right. let that dry, yeah. repeat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have if I have a video, if anyone's interested, if you mm-hmm. want to see my process on sanded paper. I gave an artist oh, talk yeah. for the Ohio Arts Council in December of 2019. And I want to say oh, at like cool. the 18-minute mark of my artist talk, I go through a demo of me drawing grapes nice. on sanded paper and I okay. walk through the whole process. You can find that video on my website, mandypeltier.com. If you go to about at the bottom, there's a link to the okay. YouTube video. If, if you don't mind, talk. yeah, shoot the link over as well. We'll put it in the show yeah, notes I can as do well. That. Very, very sure. cool. Yeah. Just a reminder, guys, just go over to sharpenedartist.com slash podcast and we'll have a link for Mandy's site over there if you didn't have time to jot that down. Um, but, uh, yeah, you've got to check out her site. I mean, this is, this is a wonderful, uh, resource here as well. And just being able to see her artwork is, uh, so awesome. She's got a section for upcoming classes. If you're interested in that, um, published tutorials and classes and projects. I mean, uh, this is, this is very well done, Andy. Love it. Okay. So do you use a solvent in your process? Um, sanded paper, I do not. I do oh, use okay. solvent from time to time on other surfaces. Oh, okay. okay. I've used it on drafting film. I've used it. I use it always on pastel mat. I am dependent on OMS when I work on pastel mat. I cannot get full coverage without it on pastel mat. I know. And it's so fun on pastel mat too, right? It it's is. Just like, yeah. you're, like, you're painting at that point, you know, when you use solvent. So, yes. okay. So let's talk about surfaces for a moment then. What? Okay. Uh, I mean, you mentioned just like five or 10 different surfaces right there. Um, (laughs) Have you met a surface you don't like? I mean, do you use them all or what? Do you have a preference? (laughs) I I don't like working on white paper. It's my least favorite surface. Do not like working on white paper. Now, I always start my beginner students on white paper because it's the most commonly used, I think, 
Uh, it really teaches you how to layer colors yeah. well. And, it, you know, it teaches you how to avoid the highlighted areas because, you know, on white paper, there's only so much you could do if you cover the highlights with color. Right, uh, right. So I think that's why I don't really like white paper. Uh, with other surfaces, you have a lot more flexibility. Uh, with sanded paper, pastel mat, uh, drafting film to a certain extent, if you use a subtraction technique, you can use, you can just apply your highlights easily over your darks. And that's more like painting. And yeah, so that's, yeah. I think, why I like those other surfaces. I also really like wood. My newest piece called a grand opening, I made on cradled wood board and I love the texture. Really? Of the I just had somebody through the finish. E that is so fascinating. Has somebody emailed me and asked me about, about that and asked me if I would do a podcast? about using wood and they talked to me about uh using a, a cradled board what did you say you used i used a cradled wood board it's, yeah that's what they that's uh, what they maybe were talking an inch about. and a half yeah so I, how i did it i so just my, can't like, i can't wrist. talk about it yet because i haven't oh. i haven't <laughs> used it so yeah tell me about the process Okay, so the process I used on cradle, well, I've made a couple of pieces on wood. And okay. the first one I, I did was just using colored pencils, layering them. And then towards the end, I made sure all my strokes went the same direction as the grain. So you could still uh, kind of see the grain through uh -huh. the finished piece. But my latest one on wood, uh, I used Neo Color 2, the water okay. soluble ones, yeah. the Caran d'Ache. Right. The wax pastels. And uh -huh. I only use those for one layer as part of the underpainting to kind of help cover the, the wood. And then from there, it was, again, just layering, layering, layering the colored pencils. Was that I will thinned say, out quite a bit with that Neo Color 2 when you oh, applied I, water? I did activate the the pigment with water and, and uh -huh. turned it into, like, paint just to kind of yeah, fill in Yeah, so it was pretty thin, I'm guessing. Uh, yeah, and then okay. one thing I did towards the end... Uh, to kind of build up some of the highlight areas or even some of the the shadows is yeah. I would spray a light layer of fixative over top. And then when that dried, I draw on top of the fixative. And ah. I think a lot of people don't think about that. You can do that. Right. And that's right. usually how I'll, I'll sign my name at the end of a piece, After like it's sanded fixed. paper. Yeah. And then I'll spray a few more layers over top of my signature to kind of protect that as well. Yeah. But I did the same thing on wood board. I probably did that maybe two or three times where I'd spray a light layer, mm -hmm. fixative, then I'd go in with more color where it needed some adjustments, spray some more. Oh, very and cool. And then I sprayed the heck out of it when I was done yeah. to kind of protect it. <laughs> yeah. So send me a link if you don't mind of, uh, or just the name, just the name of the, the exact board that you used. If you don't mind, we'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. Um, I will. Oh, you don't have to do it right now. You, uh, I'll remind you as well. So thanks. Um, yep, no problem. Thank you. So okay, let let me ask this though. In my mind, so I'm going to try this. <laughs> but in my <laughs> mind, I'm always thinking, my goodness, board. You know, if I'm doing this on wood, uh, am I going to have you know tooth on that? It seems like it's um, primed and all of that. It's sanded down and and it's just going to be real slick. Is that not the case? Do you have a lot of tooth well, on it? I used unprimed cradled birch wood board. Uh, ah, I just got okay. it from Dick Blick. Okay, you're, so, you're, uh, yeah, you're I didn't definitely going to have to send me the information on that so we can share it with the audience here on what you use exactly. So that's really cool. Are any of these on your website? Yeah, a grand opening is. Uh, if okay. you go to Still Life and Floros, it should be at the very top or close yeah. to the very top. Yeah, there it is. Uh, it's the Magnolia. Yeah, I, I love I, it. Since I'm in the South now, I wanted to paint something that was quintessentially Southern. I oh, yeah, exactly. Feel, that is like, beautiful. Roots here. 
Yeah, I, I really am pleased with how it turned out. I just love the the grain that kind of shines through. Yeah. And I think part of that is towards the end of the process, I, I basically used vertical hatching strokes. So it followed the direction of the grain. Uh-huh. You don't have to do that, but I, I yeah. want to show off that it's wood. You know, I want it to be apparent yeah, that's that so cool. I didn't use a regular surface. Right, right. Wow, I love that. Very, very cool. Okay, but you felt like you could get quite a few layers in on that unprimed, untreated uh, surface like that, I guess. I feel that way, yes, and I also feel that it went a bit faster. Duh, yeah, really? I, I made that in the in a matter of a few days. So With that stiff it, tooth yeah. on there, then, I guess that kind of makes sense. I mean, if we contrast that with like Stonehenge, white or something, you know, uh, where you, you're just going over it and over it and over it. Um, uh, hundreds of layers. <laughs> it seems like, yeah, yeah. All right, very know. cool. That's how it, it how it is with sanded paper working four hundred grit. Yeah, you just feel like yeah. it's yeah, it's exactly. never going to stop. <laughs> it's never going to stop. Where's all these layers going? <laughs> yeah, and then with sanded paper, there's also this quality of. I mean, I love working on sanded paper. Don't get me wrong, but there's this quality of. By the time I'm done, I, I'm not really the bottom layers are not influencing the top layers as much as if I'm working on like a white uh, cotton paper. So, so if could well, I nail true. you down on two to three surfaces that you prefer or not? Yeah, you could. I mean, my favorite. <laughs> There's a gun to your head. Which surfaces yeah, no, 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 are no. your favorite? <laughs> it's not hard. It's not hard. Okay. Uh, sanded paper is my favorite, even oh. with some of the drawbacks. <laughs> it's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say pastel matte after that because okay. it's close to sanded paper. It's yeah, not it the is. same. People think it's the same and it's not the same. No, They're, it's not the same you know, at all. Pastel matte is cork based. Sanded paper is sanded paper. It's just artist grade of what you'd go buy at Home Depot to right. smooth down smackle on your wall. Um, right. And then third, uh, I would probably say drafting film, but it's made. I could I could maybe put wood there. So, but I very interesting. Film. Well, there's no perfect surface. I mean, they're they all right. have their pros and cons, just like pencils or any materials. Um, those are the top two in my list as well. Sanded paper and really? pastel mat. Yeah. Yeah. That has changed. It used to be Stonehenge, but, uh, I can just do things so much faster on those two non-absorbent surfaces like that. So I love it. Yes. All right. So let's talk pencils. What are your All favorite right. pencils to use? What would you, what would you say, uh, are pencils that you use when you're working in your studio? What are your go-tos? Okay, well, I already mentioned Karen Dash Luminance are hands down my favorite pencil. Yeah. But I use all of the brands. <laughs> yeah. I do pull out all of the non-light fast pencils. Right. Uh, CPSA is really great in that regard. They have the light fast workbook that yeah. I depend on. Uh, I So I'm kind of going off on a sidetrack here, but I'll circle back around to really answer your question, John. I <laughs> sort my pencils by color. Not by oh, brand. And uh-huh. that seems to be a question that comes up a lot in groups yeah. on Facebook and things like that. I sort my I do that by now color. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So red, I mean, we're talking not just blue, but like a green blue. Or, I do that too. Um, yeah. A yellow That's green. That's interesting. You know, I, I didn't I know you did of, that. I don't know anyone do. else that does that. Um, I, I yeah, just they're in started. little mason jars. <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. I just started doing that. Cool blues, warm blues, a purple mm-hmm. tint and all, you know. All of these are separate, yeah, and brands are all mixed up now because of it. But, but I know the brands, you know, I know what I'm using. 
Um, and that's exactly it, John, yeah. is I know the properties or the capabilities yeah. of each pencil. So it's not right. throwing, it's not slowing me down. So right. every single piece I make, unless it's a f- tutorial for a class where mm-hmm. you don't want to give the students 10 different brands pencils. to buy. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So then like I'll just use Prismacolor. Usually Prismacolor is what I teach with for beginners uh-huh. and things. But for if you look at my art on my website and my galleries, they're all made with multiple pencil brands, all of them. <laughs> yeah. And that <laughs> so makes a lot I, of sense. I, yeah. And each piece, I use Caran d'Ache Luminance. I use Prismacolor, Faber-Castell uh, Polychromos. I use Derwent Lightfast. Mm-hmm. Um, ugh, I can name them all. I mean, if yeah. you, even if you go on Facebook and you look at my old posts on colored pencil groups where I post it, like, people would be like, what? maybe it would have been easier if you had just said what pencil sets you didn't use on this piece. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, that's so when you're teaching you, and you mentioned, I mean, I'm guessing you're talking about a beginner. When you're talking about using Prismacolor Premier, um, and why is it that you're you're recommending those for teaching when you're teaching uh, like a tutorial? Yeah, that's a good question. I so to me, Prismacolor pencils are one of the cheapest, yeah, uh, artist grade pencil sets on the market. They're easily found. They're very accessible. Yeah, I've even yeah. seen them at Target, you know, so it's not just art stores or craft right. stores where you're going to be able to find them. You get really good deals on them. You can still buy them open stock. So yeah, uh, yeah, right, it, right. and you know, I, I think it's just what a lot of people start with because yeah, they're a dependable pencil. They, they're right. buttery soft. They, they blend beautifully. Well, that's what the art so, stores recommend yeah. when you go in there and look for yep. pencils, you know. What, but I mean, are you not frustrated by the lack of light fastness in about a third of the pencil set and the construction quality? I mean, that those are just things that are just kind of annoying. Um, I have a hard time recommending them for beginners, but I do. But I also, you know, give that caveat that you you want to quickly go to a pencil that is, uh, you know, construction wise is just a little more uh, suited for uh, long term use. You know, I don't know. Okay, so this is what I would say to that. Yeah. Um, I have not had construction issues like I see other people have. I don't know if part of it is because I use a manual pencil sharpener that pulls in the pencil, whereas I see yeah, some that would people make a using difference right there. Yeah. the electrical sharpeners where it's jiggling the pencil. So yeah. the tip or the, the core of the pencil is going to be more prone to breaking. So I very rarely have the tip of the pencil break constantly. Because like, you hear people say, I had to go through the whole pencil just to get it to sharpen they just kept breaking yeah off. i'm sure they're I, using uh, yeah. a, an electric uh, sharpener when they're talking about that uh, but also not knowing how to sharpen a pencil i think is uh, plaguing yeah. new artists sometimes where they'll they'll turn the pencil way out here you know so the torque is is going across the barrel rather than right up there next to the end where they're sharpening it that's part of it. But, you know, I don't have to even think about any of that usually when I'm sharpening a luminance pencil. Would you agree with that? I mean, luminance well, pencils seem to not break as often. <laughs> I mean, oh, I hope you agree with that. Just, oh, oh, yeah. It's it's not like I, I don't recognize that there's nicer pencils out there. I yeah, just think yeah. it's a good like I, I very strongly believe in try before you buy. And you know what? Right. If you are blessed with a ton of money, then you start with the luminance. <laughs> If you yeah, can yeah, yeah, it, yeah. No, it, and I, and yeah, know, right, right. And I, I just think that if you're a beginner, you can start with a small, an incredibly small set, maybe even three or four, just to learn some basic principles first. 
But yeah, you're right. I mean, go out and grab, you know, the whatever, the 60 set of the Prismacolor Premiere. It's not going to set you back. You're going to figure out some things with that. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right. And you can always upgrade. And, and, and besides, yeah. if you if the colored pencil bug bites you like it did me and it did right. you and it did a lot of people listening to this podcast, yeah. you're going to very quickly have more sets than you ever thought you'd end up with. <laughs> very so, true. <laughs> yes. It becomes It'll become an your obsession. new shoe or your new, like, <laughs> instead of clothes, you'll be buying pencil sets. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I stopped. Uh, well, never mind. Uh, okay. Let's <laughs> <laughs> thinking of a joke. It'll probably only be funny to me. All right. So you've got your hands in a lot of different things and you're teaching. You're, is this kind of a hobby for you or is this uh, a side income for you or both? Or what What are you doing and what what's in the future as well? Where are you going? Well, I would say it's absolutely not a hobby. It okay. is a habit and it is a career. <laughs> so I think that is one thing people need to like let sink into their minds when it no longer when it's a habit instead of a hobby, you're going to mm. see a huge progression in the quality of your work and just in how you view the time you sit at your drafting table or your desk or wherever and you work. So on consistency. Your art. Consistent absolutely consistency. Mm -hmm. And taking it seriously, like not letting uh -huh. people make it seem like a hobby because that happened to me you know i when i sorry i'm getting sidetracked here again i'm good at that no good um, I, I love it when my kids were younger because uh -huh. i have an 11 year old and two nine-year-olds when they were younger when i started with colored pencil a lot of people it almost like make me feel bad like well i mean how can you how can you be a, a mom and do art like maybe like it was a frivolous pursuit or maybe it was something i should yeah. be spending less time on or i'm doing it at the expense of loving my kids and raising them or changing diapers and, or something. Yeah. yeah like it has <laughs> you to be sit this in that diaper. I've got four more hours on this piece. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and it's just like, no, <laughs> stop. Yeah. Like I, I have, I, well, and I'll say this, I have another rabbit trail here. Um, you know, when I first started using colored pencil, it was a hobby. It wasn't a habit, you know, and sure. it was just something that I, I did for fun, almost as like therapy or just as like a way to, just yeah. have a, a release or a break. Right. And, you know, I was strategic in the time that I did it. It wasn't interfering with my other responsibilities. And CPSA used to have that art spectations exhibition that was online. And they yeah. would have a, a category for signature members and they'd have yeah. a category for non-signature members. They so didn't have I that very long, though, did they? It didn't seem like. Uh, no. It, yeah. So what was it? 2018 is when I entered my very first exhibition and it was oh. our expectations exhibition. Okay. And I entered the non-signature category because I, I literally joined CPSA so I could enter that exhibition. And I don't even think you had to be a member to enter, but I, I, I found out about CPSA. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I want to be a part of this society. Right, and I entered. Right. And, um, I, you know, I wasn't sure at that time if I was sort of, I, I like to liken it to an American Idol contestant who goes on to American Idol, goes before the judges and sings, and they think they're the bee's knees yeah. and everyone knows the truth but them, right? Like, right, I wasn't right. sure if that was me with my art. Like, I thought maybe there was some talent there. There was a gift that I could develop and nurture. It is good for validation. Maybe it was, yeah. maybe it was just me. And I got an honorable mention in nice. that exhibition in the non-signature category. And oh my goodness, that was the fuel I needed really? to push me forward, to yeah. take it more seriously. And cool. I mean, it was literally from there, I got accepted three times in a row to explore this, three times wow. in a row to the international exhibition. I now have nice. my signature status in both. And uh, it's that's really was the propulsion 
to yeah. take it from a hobby to a habit. So, nice. um, and I can't remember what your other question was. That was a roundabout way to answer it. No, I love that. Uh, no, I love it. I love it so much. So you have a studio practice where you are disciplined in uh, deciding, like, is it hours uh, that you're determined to get in or is it a certain time of the day or both or what? Yeah, it's sort of a little bit every day. So okay. my my morning starts off helping my kids get ready for school, packing their lunches. I drive them to school. Mm -hmm. uh, then I come home, I do my CPSA duties. And then what, every time I have left, I'm working on art. And yeah. right now, that's not a lot of time to work on exhibition art. It's mostly teaching a, a student, yeah. preparing to the, the homework I need to do to teach a student. It's right. working on Windsor and Newton content. It's I I don't think I mentioned this earlier. I'm, I was also approached about writing tutorials for one of those art subscription boxes. So it's working oh, nice. on stuff like that. So yeah. it's a lot of like teaching stuff or recording yeah. videos of me making art to put on social media or on my YouTube channel. So it's a lot of things like that. Um, but yeah. no, I take it. It's my job. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, exactly. But well, you, you had asked before, like it is it is income too. Um, I do get paid yeah. for for what I do. So yeah. I mean, yeah, with all the things that you've got going on, uh, yeah, I can totally relate. Um, you've, you don't have a moment. Um, you don't have a spare moment, uh, other than doing all of these things. I mean, you wouldn't get it yeah. done if you weren't <laughs> disciplined about your time. I mean, I, I, I totally yeah. get that, obviously. So, um, which, like if you consider all of those things that you have to do, I mean, there's a lot of logistics going on. There's a lot of behind the scenes things to get done and get prepared that most students will never understand. You know, there's a technical side going on. There is uh, this logistical side of things and planning everything and making sure it's all coming out at the right time and you're organizing, which and creating art, obviously. I don't want to forget about that. <laughs> which of those things is most rewarding to you? And you can't say creating art. Um, <laughs> which of those I things? Won't. I mean, is there is there one that you really excel at and that you love to do? Well, I think I, I do have a giftedness in teaching and instructing and articulating how to do things. Mm -hmm. um, I was I was a corporate trainer before I married my husband. So it was my career before he made me a diplomat and whisked me overseas. Um, so I think teaching art, it's, it's a different application of yeah. being a teacher, but it's still applying some of those skills I acquired or just even natural gifts that I was given before we got married. Um, but I would say what makes me most happy, what brings me most joy is seeing the light go off in someone's eyes when I'm teaching them and yeah. seeing them fall in love with the medium yeah. As much as I have a love for it. And just it, because I just remember how it felt when yeah. I discovered colored pencils. And I had mentioned earlier, it was love at first try. And I felt like in finding colored pencils, I found a little bit of myself too. Yeah, and very cool. It really just empowered me. And I was one of those people where I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. You know, there's a lot of pressure on young kids to know what they, how they want to spend the rest of their life before oh, they're absolutely. even out of high school. Right. I was in my early 30s and still didn't know what I wanted to do. I mean, I was a wife and a mom and I was very fulfilled in, in those roles. But yeah. as far as doing anything that could possibly make a secondary income or whatever, yeah. I had no idea. I, <laughs> I had no idea. And so finding colored pencils was just so gratifying and fulfilling. And so I yeah. love seeing my students have that same experience. It's so it rewarding, such deep isn't joy. it? Yeah. Yeah.
Just a reminder that the Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. If you've never tried sanded paper before, I highly recommend UART. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper, before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium Sanded Paper. And we thank UART for their support of the Color Pencil Podcast. We also thank Amazon Music Unlimited for their support of the podcast. If you're looking for a new music streaming service, Amazon Music Unlimited will be perfect. It features 70 million songs and thousands of expert programmed playlists and stations, all available ad-free. Enjoy your 30-day free trial when you go to getamazonmusic.com slash sharp. I mean, you were a a, a photographer. You were a portrait uh, photographer, right? For a while. I mean, you never felt like this is me kind of thing. Like it. So how would I word this? Because that's a really good question. I mean, I I, I loved photography. I think I don't know why there's a difference with photography and colored pencils. But for photography, it was more enjoyable for me when it was a hobby versus a career. Uh, And I think part of that is I really wanted to photograph seniors. And for those who aren't in the United States, I mean, like seniors in high school. I said that once to a Canadian friend and she thought I was talking about elderly people that I enjoyed photographing. (laughs) So senior pictures, you know, like seniors graduating high school, they get nice portraits done. And so you're generally dealing with um, people who come really excited with lots of ideas and outfit changes and they're, they're ready to go. And I, I was photographing a lot of families with young kids who didn't want to cooperate or cry. (laughs) And it just, I don't know. It just, it wasn't, it it was fine, and I yeah. I learned a lot doing it, and it was like I said, it was a transient career. Yeah, but I I'm so much more passionate about art. Fine well, art, you're pencil, you're pouring yourself art. into your art, your pieces, and you're yeah. expressing things and ideas, um, probably more so than you are taking a headshot of a high school senior. I'm, I'm guessing, or trying to get yeah. little Johnny to settle down and and stay seated, that kind of thing. Very cool. That's very astute. I agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. <laughs> Chalk one up for me. That's about the first time yes. I've been astute all day. <laughs> Thanks for putting okay. the words in my mouth that I wasn't <laughs> able to articulate. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> so <laughs> you're funny. So what is what's in store in the future? Where where are you headed? Where are you what are you trying to do going forward? Oh, goodness. I have no idea. Like if you had told me <laughs> no, yeah, but, no, like, you- seriously, when we moved <laughs> last year, last March to Georgia, I thought I was going to be done teaching for a while um, because I was leaving the art center. I was teaching in Northeast Ohio. I was yeah. no longer doing Ann Kohlberg's SOAR program, you know? So I just thought like I was done teaching and I was at peace yeah. with that because one thing that's always been a struggle for me is balancing making exhibition art and all my teaching stuff. Like since I've moved to Georgia, my teaching has blown up. Like I've had so many more online opportunities to teach. The Windsor nice. Newton thing came around. Yeah. So, I'm an artist collaborator. Uh, art. Oh, I stumble over my words. I'm an artist collaborator with uh-huh. Windsor and Newton. I'm not an employee of Windsor and Newton, so right. I have no idea how long this opportunity will last. But I'll I'll run with it as long as I can. Um, That's and then, so exciting! Yeah, congratulations on that. Yeah. that is. And that then is so private cool. students. 
I'll keep uh-huh. doing that for as long as people want to take classes with me. And yeah. <laughs> I I love t- writing tutorials. So I, I feel very passionate that the arts should be accessible to all. And yeah. even for those who maybe don't have a lot of money to pay for classes. So right. I have a couple free tutorials on my website that people can download. And there's a YouTube video to go along with them where you can actually watch me explain and go through the steps. I have one on drafting film and one that's on watercolor paper using watercolor pencils. And so I hope oh, to make more cool. of those. Uh, nice. It's kind of hard when I have all these other responsibilities, but if I ever am in like a lull, you know, I'll create yeah. more of those. And yeah, so there's no so, shortage of very things. cool. <laughs> oh, I love it. So should, uh, should people look at uh, upcoming classes? Is that where they should go? Over there. No, so upcoming classes are the classes that I'm teaching through either Fairmount Center for the Arts or through Windsor and Newton for Michael Stores. If you go to my published projects and projects, workshops, yeah, that one, you can scroll down and you, I have the direct links to all the Windsor and Newton classes I've taught. Below that, you'll see my lollipop on drafting film, which is my free tutorial. Yeah, there we go. My watercolor pencil peaches. And then there's also links to, I have two in depth tutorials through Ann Kohlberg. And I've also, I, I do the workshop series. I've, I've done it for like four years now for Colored Pencil Magazine. Okay. And I've done a, yeah. a couple of tutorials for Color Magazine. So there's links to okay. those issues as well. Very nice. All right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, you guys should really check out if, you, if, you've, uh, if you're brand new to this and you don't know about those workshop series in the Colored Pencil Magazine. Those are a lot of fun. And just get your feet, you know, get your feet wet. Just go in there and follow those workshop series. They're quick. Uh, you can download the line art and you've got uh, also the uh, list of materials and it's usually pretty short. So, yeah, it's a great thing to be involved in. Th- I, I love the way you have this laid out, though. Um, yeah, you've got videos right here in your site. That's that's really cool. Okay, so what advice, what's the best advice you would um give to a brand new artist or somebody just starting out in the medium, what would you say to them? Uh, a couple things. Well, first, make it a habit, not a hobby. So be consistent, show up every day. But beyond that, I think the best advice for a beginner is do not compare your work to that of others. Because Why? in so yeah. doing, you will probably lose some ambition to sit down and try. Uh, because you'll just feel like you'll never get there. You'll never be as good as so-and-so. And And so don't compare your work to others. Just focus on improving, learning as much as you can. I mean, when I first started out, I bought a lot of books on colored pencil. I checked out a lot from the library. So you don't even have to to buy them. I mean, and the library, it was awesome. They had books from like the 90s. So I was reading about how colored pencil was in the nineties and it's I did still that the too. same. Yeah. Yeah. It's still the same technique. I just think right. now people like take it to another level, like mm-hmm. the nineties artwork and colored pencil looks maybe halfway done compared to the artwork today, but it's still the same yeah, technique agreed. of layering your pressure, right. your strokes, all of it's the same. So just read, read, read as much as you can. There's great YouTube channels as well. Featuring colored pencil. I think getting on, if, if you do social media and if you're on Facebook, getting on to some of the colored pencil groups on there. There's some Mm -hmm. really good advice on those groups and, and really encouraging. I feel like the colored pencil community more than any other art medium community is the most supportive, the most encouraging, the most, um, yeah, it's helpful. I mean, people, people want to help, uh, other artists. Yeah. Well, I think we're not vicious. No. And it's like this underdog medium and we're all learning from one another, uh, and we're sharing, 
so much. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe that's why, because it's like an underrated medium in the art world. So maybe like that's why it's such a supportive, encouraging group is like Could be. we're here and we're going to like we're going to fight for this medium. And we're yeah, gonna we all kind of know, have the cool. same. Yeah, we, we kind of have the same personality in some ways about uh, this medium. You know, what's the biggest challenge that you have right now? The biggest challenge i would say it's more of a personal challenge it's just maybe time management is mm. i love teaching and i yeah like i said i i, I do think i'm gifted in, in teaching and um but i love creating exhibition art yeah and there's just not a lot of time to do that now uh, no, because right. of all the the teaching opportunities i've had so I'd, I'd love to figure out a way to to juggle it all better to where yeah. I would have time to create art and still have time to create all my classes. And I got really good advice from Deborah Friedman at the International Exhibition in Brea uh-huh. a couple of years ago. And she uh-huh. was like, just sit down and spend two hours every day working on an exhibition piece. And, mm. you know, it may take you months to get, right. to get it done if you're only spending right. two hours a day on it. But at least that way you're always working towards that goal. Oh, and good um, yeah. it is really good advice. So I, I've yeah. tried to implement that. Um, yeah. And sometimes it's easier than others because then like I end up having a pile for this class and a pile for this class and yeah. a pile for this. So I have little piles everywhere. And are you my, recording my your process in video form, like overhead video and stuff like that? Or is that not always the case when you're preparing for teaching? Uh, no, I, I don't always do that. Um, uh-huh. I well, I will for like my um, some of my Windsor Newton and Michael's classes. I'll record myself making the drafts. Yeah, so it helps me remember what I did, like how I did it. And, and then you're doing uh, some of it live. Yeah, and then I'll yeah. upload those videos too to social media just to try and play that game and <laughs> get some interest on my yeah, my yeah. social media page. Oh, but what other advice I can give? Because yeah. colored pencil is a laborious medium like right. for all of its pluses. I think the only negative is that it can be rather time consuming. Yeah. So one thing I do to help kind of spur me on or to motivate me to continue on is to take pictures of my work at different stages as I go. Uh, and then what I'll usually do is I'll create a folder on my photos in my phone and I can scroll through those photos and just see the progress I'm making. So even if you look at it and it's still in the ugly stage and you think it looks terrible, yeah. you can scroll through all the photos and you can just see, oh no, it's getting better. It's getting better. And it just kind of spurs you on. Yeah. It's a little motivating if you do that. Yeah. What about the technology piece of it? Like when you're teaching live, are you doing it through Zoom or? Oh, that's a good question. I did invest in a few items to mm-hmm. help make the classes as high quality as they could. Sure. I got a microphone that I clamp onto my drafting table and I speak out of it. So it just makes my voice a little more clear and right. easy to hear. And so at least so if they can't always see things well, they can at least hear my instructions well. And I always try to be very clear in my instructions and I reword, rephrase. So, uh-huh. so even if you can't see it, you can still kind of follow along with what I'm saying. I did buy a ring light and that just sort of allows the lighting in the room to be a bit more even and better. And I use a web camera that I angle overhead my workspace so it's just a top-down view or perspective. And so I have the camera that's on my laptop, 
And then during the Zoom class, when I'm, so they can see me face to face when we begin and I say, Hey, how's your week? Cause I, I really love investing in my students and they've all become friends. Like I just, I love all uh-huh. my students. And then when it comes time to start working on whatever it is we're working on, I'll just switch to my overhead web camera and then it's angled down. And I have it on an arm that can move and extend so I can lower it if I need to get a little bit closer. I can raise it if I need to, to have a little bit of a higher viewpoint so yeah and i also you're doing that switching through zoom using an ndi to yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so i have uh, my web camera hooked into my laptop so that zoom recognizes it and i can toggle between the two and then i also have a secondary monitor because that way i can move my zoom um page where you see the person i can yeah. move it over so that's much larger so that when i ask yeah. my student to hold their work up right. i can see it much bigger on the other monitor because that is the one downside to zoom is that i'm not there in person i can't necessarily see how they're holding their pencil or yeah exactly how their pressure or stroke is so i do right. ask them regularly to hold up their work so i can kind of gauge how it's looking from there yeah yeah very very cool yeah you're using two webcams um, so you're not using OBS at all and transmitting a signal from an HDMI signal. Okay. So what, what, uh, is it 720p? That's what your webcam is on right now. Is that the same as the independent one that's overhead? No, the independent one is 1080. Okay. okay. And then I also have a, the new iPhone that's 4k and sometimes I'll use that too. Uh, as a uh, secondary, um, a third camera, really. A third camera there in yeah. Zoom, I guess. And when I use my iPhone, I have to sign in from a separate account, so it shows like two main right. Peltiers on the. But right. that way, it gives another option if if needed or if there's connectivity issues. Yeah. Otherwise, iPhone. you're using the NDI connection to be able to yes. toggle back and forth between the two. Yeah. Okay. Very very cool. The only drawback to Zoom is Zoom does not put a priority on quality of no. uh, the stream <laughs> at all. And so you're never going to get as good of a quality of viewing, you know, viewing quality um, through a Zoom connection, because the priority for Zoom is to keep the connection stable. Uh, so they'll yes. degrade quality in order to keep that connection stable. I get the impression that you're just very, very passionate about the medium and about helping students. And I love that. Love it so much. Thank you for being on here today. Thank you, John. Have a great day. All right. Go over and check out the show notes. Uh, we'll have everything linked up that we talked about today. Sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. And this is a weekly show by way of reminder. If you've not left a rating or review for the podcast, go over to Apple Podcasts. And I would really appreciate that. Uh, I only accept five stars, though. Um, just let you know right from the beginning. Only five stars. That's all I accept. And uh, <laughs> all kidding aside, I would like your honest review of the podcast. I appreciate you listening from week to week. Let's do it again next week. Same time, same place. And until then, take care and stay sharp. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. I I have to try to prod and dig and make you uncomfortable a little bit. And um, so, because people like that sort of thing. (laughs) Can I call you Larry King? (laughs) God rest his soul. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to stay in the podcast, by the way. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Because that.